0: Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy Monday. We've got a fantastic guest for you today. We have a personal finance architect on the show. Doesn't that sound pretty cool? And I thought I was creative in calling myself a personal finance strategist, but architect is like way cooler. His name is Steve Stewart. He's a personal finance architect from St. Louis who helps people plan their cash flow so they can go pro. And that rhymed. So even more awesome. He recently, Steve, recently went pro himself, leaving the comfort of a corporate job to focus completely on -on one-on-one coaching, speaking, and promoting financial literacy. His blog, Money Plan SOS, has been featured on the Dave Ramsey Show, and it also won a Plutus Award for Best Debt-Focused Blog. And not only that, but he is a podcast evangelist. He's promoting podcasting through local meetup groups, online courses, and face to face. And I'm a huge fan of his podcast. It's really changing people's lives for the better. And I have tremendous respect for him and his mission. Three takeaways from our time with Steve. One, how to overcome the fear of a cushy nine to five and start your own business like he has why credit cards are against his religion, and how Dave Ramsey changed his life. Here is Steve Stewart. Steve Stewart, my friend, welcome to So Money. A pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Oh, Farnoosh, this is just going to be a blast. Thanks for having (laughs) me on.
0: I love the energy. (laughs) Um, You know, I, w- I was honored to be on your podcast recently. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I look to you and to others in the field as sort of the role models, the leaders for us newbies. You know, I'm new to podcast land and you've been doing it for um, a little bit longer. And, you know, even in that shorter period of time, I feel like podcasts have just exploded. Um, I'm just curious because this is a selfish question for me. How have you noticed... Like, what, do, what is your take on the kind of podcast revolution that's happening? Do you feel as though there's not as much quality out there now or it's just really easy to get lost in the abyss? I mean, I always tell people, like, please leave a review for my show because if you don't, it will not be found.
1: <laughs> well, I still think podcasting is very small in this world of media. If you think about it, how many people really walk around and listen to talk radio on their phones? They don't. They might download podcasts. But even that number of people is kind of small. So it's still a very niche thing, though it is kind of growing and getting bigger. And that's what I love is this is the people who might read your blog, visit your website, or even maybe watch your, you know, three or four minute video on YouTube are not the same people that will listen to a podcast. That's true. They're completely different animals. So if we do a little bit of all three, you're going to you're going to reach a bigger audience. So podcasting, even though it's exploding in mind, it's because we're in it. And, you know, if you were going to get in the world of quilting, I promise you, you'll see that it's a huge (laughs) world out there that you never knew existed.
0: That's a good way to put it, like archery, you know, or something that you think is kind of obscure. But once you're in it, it does feel a little overwhelming because there is a big community around everything these days. And Steve, you are doing multiple things to uh, get your message out there, your important thoughts about money. And I want to kind of go back to the beginning of your journey. and, And I think what's really cool is that you... Sort of studied the Dave Ramsey debt method, right? The get out of debt method. You kind of Mm -hmm. look to him as a, as a guide through your own uh, journey to get, become debt free. And then fast forward, your website, your blog is featured on Dave Ramsey's website. So talk about just kind of awesome. You know, like really <laughs> crossing that finish line in a really great way, being recognized by someone that you consider to be uh, at, at one point in your life, at least, you know, someone who is a very much a mentor, at least from afar. Um, so if you could just share a little bit about that, you know, um I'm just giving people kind of the, the tease here, but, you know, how you – Kind of brought yourself to a place of being debt free. I know you still have a mortgage that you're hoping to pay off, but then, you know, how that, how Dave Ramsey played that a a big role for you. He's a very uh, big supporter of this podcast, too. So I'm very honored.
1: Yeah. Well, you you said I finished, I passed the finish line. I hope that's not the case because I've still got a lot to do. (laughs) But yeah, I I was just driving around Southern Illinois for the day job back then, flipping stations because that was before the iPod and before listening to podcasts in your car. And I stumbled across this guy on the radio who was cranky and, you know, kind of yelling at his audience and I thought, oh, this is a shock jock guy, but I started listening and, you know, I disagree with a bunch of the stuff he said because I was listening to a little bit of here and a little bit of there of different people getting different pieces of financial advice from other places. And then when I really started to dig into it, I realized that this guy, Dave Ramsey, was always right. So I started, I started following his principles. I got bit by the bug. People say, you know, you drink the Kool-Aid and my wife and I got out of debt, consumer debt in 2006, late 2006. And right now, as it stands, this is April, 2015, we have nine payments left in the house and that's it. Wow! And we have about a half a million dollars in liquid investments, retirement, uh, you know, outside of retirement type savings. So, the, you know, his process, the reason why I like it so much is because it's easy. It's, it's simple to understand. It might be a little hard to follow, but nothing in this personal finance world is easy. So that's why I kind of follow in in what he's been teaching. And and to be honest, he never, you know, he he might have organized the stuff pretty good, but none of the stuff he created. This has all been, you know, from some of his mentors and things that we read in the Bible and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then to be featured on his show in, in a way, how was that?
1: That was a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> it was actually back in 2010 uh, I actually was working from home that day, but I wasn't listening to his radio show, even though at that time I was. And I kept getting pings on my phone. Every time, you know, uh, someone would put a post up on uh, on Twitter with my name, I'd get a ping, but I wasn't looking at it. And then a friend of mine texted me like, you know, an hour later and I was like, what's going on? I checked my phone. And he says, your blog post was just read on the Dave Ramsey show. And I'm oh like, what? So of course, you know, Back in those days, the podcast wasn't released till that night. I had no idea what was going on. So um, it was very cool. He just read one of my, it was a top 10 type list and had fun with it. And, you know, the blog had gotten like 10,000 visits over that weekend. So it was very neat.
0: Wow. Well, what are the other amazing things that you've done? And I want you to just maybe share that with us in that journey is you left a very comfortable nine to five job to pursue kind of this solopreneur personal finance. I love what you call yourself a money architect. I think that's brilliant. (laughs) I thought I was cool calling myself a money strategist, but architect's way, way uh, fancier and cooler. How did you, how did you, like what was the pivotal moment? Because I think we all want to someday leave maybe the, the nine to five, the working for the man, but we don't do it because there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty. How did you squash all of those emotional barriers?
1: Well, it's been a long process because I've been building this thing for years, you know, with, with the blog, the blog started in 2007, no, 2009, excuse me. Uh, the podcast in late 2010, You know just just helping people one-on-one over Skype over the phone there's a lot of people out there who aren't local so I I, you know I I wasn't a with my with the day job I used to have I was not able to cultivate a local business because I was always on the road that was one of the reasons why I knew I had to get away from that because it was just you know just if you're on the road a lot I mean you know people are listening to this there's probably a bunch of them who are listening to this while they're driving a long commute it's just, it's horrible on your body. It's horrible on your mental state. So you've got to keep your mind busy, but I had to get away from that. So I'd been laying the groundwork for this for a long time. In fact, I had a plan to hopefully get away from it last year. Didn't hit the financial goals that we wanted. We still hadn't hit all the financial goals that we wanted before I left the day job. For instance, we like I said, we've got nine payments left in the house. We wanted to get that down to like five or maybe six, and we didn't quite hit that, but it was time. It was just time to, 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 lift, you know, rev the engines up, lift the landing gear and take off.
0: You, um, said that you, I read on your blog that credit cards are against your religion. <laughs> is that, is that a Dave Ramsey um, no. tenet, or is that something that you, how, so can you explain that to me? Because I feel as though credit cards get a really bad rap in our nation. And I find that it's not the credit cards. It's the people that are using their credit cards. You know, credit cards ultimately can help you if you use them responsibly, pay them off every month. It's a great way to kind of – I think it's it's a good way to kind of manage your money. Um, it keeps you – if you're buying a big purchase, it's, it's kind of a security to pay for it and then, you know, put it on the card it's, if it arrives and it's broken or defective. You know, there's a lot of benefits, I think, to properly using a credit card. But why is it against your religion?
1: You're not selling me on this, notion. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I am teaching people how to get out of debt, and if I were to then say, but use your credit card responsibly, then I feel like I'm being a, I'm contradicting myself. And there's a, a, a number of other reasons why I say that term, you know, credit cards are against my religion. You know, if you think about when you're using a credit card, yes, it's debt, even if you pay it off in 30 days, you know, it's debt until you pay that bill, but- when I go out, if I were to use a credit card at a store versus using cash or a debit card, I am charging that, that business, that company, that vendor, a higher processing fee that's overhead for them. They don't get that 2 to 4%. Visa, Mastercard, the banks who issue the cards do. Whereas if I use debit card or cash, it's a lower cost of doing business. So that will help them keep the overhead low. And of course, what do businesses like? They like lower overhead so they don't have to raise the prices. So if I'm using a credit card at my local store to get the points, then I'm charging my neighbor a higher price for their groceries. And I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And I just can't do that. So mm-hmm. I've decided to stay, you know, to stay away from credit cards, not to borrow money, even if it's a 30 day term. And I've found Especially these days, I mean, ten years ago it may have, may have been a different difference, uh, a different story with with debit cards. You know, everybody's worried about the security of it and and fraud protection. Debit cards and credit cards are really, really the same these days. The technology's there to support it. The banks are behind the zero liability policy. Uh, I can use it online just as easily as a credit card. You know, they both have a Visa or Mastercard logo on them. What what makes it different? It's well, the way the process. Gets,
0: well, I, yes, but I will say because this happened to my friend not too long ago. Someone grabbed, got his debit card, and he realized it like two hours later. This person had gone to every single ATM and literally emptied his bank account. And there is the zero liability, but only up to a certain amount with debit cards. After that, they have to actually go and like make sure that this was fraud and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you know, weeks later, you might get your money back, if at all. So for that, I am yeah, hesitant I, to use debit debit cards well, always.
1: The the problem with that story is I wonder, how did the guy get his PIN number?
0: That's um, the question. Yeah, you can't I, I get money know. out of an well, ATM you know, without the PIN number. It was, he thinks it was the bartender at the bar who, um, I don't know, uh, that's a good question, but he did it and.
1: <laughs> you could probably take a cash advance with a credit function. Yeah. But to get cash out of an ATM with a PIN, yes, that is not protected. Actually, uh, MasterCard is starting to protect that now. But as far as, you know, if you use your debit card like a credit card where you just swipe and sign, you've got the zero liability protection. My wife and I, in our household, we've had four different times where we've had our debit cards compromised. In each situation, we've been able to contact the bank or they contacted us because of some unusual, you know, I had uh, the bank call me once because somebody rented a room at the Bellagio in Vegas or something like that, and I was like, "No, I'm here in Missouri. That's not happening." Um, and and we you know we didn't skip a beat. The money was put back into our account very quickly. I may have had to fax a form to them, but other than that, mm-hmm. it wasn't a problem. So maybe there are situations out there where people don't have the knowledge to be able to fight with their own little bank about these these fraudulent charges. But if you've got to fight with your own bank who wants to keep your, your money in their accounts because it's your bank, it's your debit card versus a credit card company on the East Coast who is going to accuse you of, you know, maybe falsifying the claim. You know, I, I'm going to keep with my bank who's trying to keep me as a customer. I think I get better service that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about your kind of financial thinkings, philosophies. Let's, let's transition out of my so many questions that I ask all of my guests. Uh, I always am curious to hear answers because they're always different, even though the questions tend to be the same. What's your biggest financial philosophy, Steve?
1: My biggest philosophy for money? Handling yes. money,
0: mm-hmm. Money is mantra.
1: To, is really just to pay attention. And it's not even just about money. That's about everything in life. If you want to improve your relationship with your spouse, if you want to improve uh, your, your career or your business, when you focus more attention to it, you improve it. The same with money. When you pay attention to your money, your financial situation will get better. It won't be solved right away. Nothing ever is. But you know, my, my mantra, my motto is pay attention, not interest.
0: <laughs> I like that. Right, because ignorance is not bliss when it comes to money. And uh, a lot of times we think that if we just ignore it, 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 it it'll it take care of itself. I've dealt with a lot of people. I call them money zombies um, who just feel as though they don't have it in them to 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 take control of their finances. And it's scary. And they just leave the bills in the drawers. And it's going to add up at some point, And you're going to have to face the music at some point. So why not be proactive, right?
1: Yeah. the money The money affects everybody. Mm-hmm. in different ways but everybody has to deal with money because that's that's the equalizer in our economy everybody can buy something with money you can't go to the local store and trade them you know your iphone for groceries It's there's no there's no way to do that transaction mm-hmm. maybe there is but i mean would not that be cool most cities, <laughs> no i want my iphone <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but money is that that great equalizer where we can trade with people all over the place so yeah, we have to deal with the money at some level to become a money expert. You know, I'm not expecting people are going to do that, but they should at least know the basics. You know, mm-hmm. live on lesson you make and do something smart with the difference.
0: Let's go down memory lane a little bit. I'd like to get a picture of, of little Steve growing up. What was your exposure to money and what was your greatest financial memory as a child growing up?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I grew up in a little suburb of Toledo, which you know is little. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had a paper out and it was all about uh, glazed donuts and Mountain Dew that we bought at the party store, the little convenience store in, in town. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd throw the papers, I'd collect the money, pay the bill to the, the guy who sold me the papers to throw. And then, you know, and then I, I had a profit there. Never knew anything about taxes, which, of course, at that age, thank God we didn't have to deal with. But it was well, it was all about being able to buy Glazed donuts and Mountain Dew. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of the start of it for me.
0: And uh, how's that glazed donut uh, appetite going these days?
1: Oh, it's still wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I've, I've gotten away from the glazed donuts. My yeah, gosh. and I I quit. I I had an addiction addiction to diet Dew for for many Oof. years, and I kicked it for a full year. Good. Absolutely kicked it. It was cold turkey. I I was fed up. I, I had a two liter that was sitting in the fridge, which I would just refill a glass every once in a while. And one night I, I think my daughter had said something to me and it affected me in some way. And one night I poured it down the drain and for a year, the only soda at all that I had was there was, I think there was 12 within a year. And most of those were just a soda that I'd share with my wife at the movies. And that's not really drinking a soda. That's sharing an experience. Well,
0: yes. And I say, if you eat other people's French fries, the calories don't count. <laughs> Some, uh, I got write so, that down. Yes, make that sweetable. I'm, I'm, t- I, I totally understand what you're saying. If it's, if it's not on your plate or if you're sharing it with someone else, the calories do not count. Uh, all right. So that was a good story. Let's talk about failure because if we didn't fail, we wouldn't grow, right? So, what is one outstanding financial failure that you experienced? You're maybe a little happy that it happened because it taught you uh, immeasurable amounts about how to be more. Careful and mindful about money.
1: You know, when somebody asks for what your you know the the big failure in money was in my life, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's lots of little ones, and they're all kind of boring. And that's kind of how my financial life has been. You know, I I really did have it easy. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I had a car loan, I had credit card debt, but it wasn't outrageous like a lot of the people that I talked to. But I can remember a situation where I was working at a retail store. And the girlfriend I was dating at the time, she needed money to make her car payment, and it was payday. And I was able to get the check cashed. I was able to then, uh, you know, loan money, and I never saw the money again. And um, you know, it did sour the relationship. She'd always say, you know, we, you know, I'll pay you back. You know, I'll make good, whatever, whatever. But then we eventually did break up, and I'm sure they had something to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what's your philosophy now on lending money to family and friends and loved ones?
1: There's no lending. It's just giving.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. And that's
1: because, yeah, we work so hard to get out of debt that we're in a situation now where we can float a little bit of money here and there. Mm -hmm. But I I really don't like, you know, this is going to make me sound cranky, just like the whole, you know, credit cards (laughs) are against my religion thing. But, you know, rounding up at the register. No, I'd rather make it a three digit number or a four digit number that I'm giving somewhere somehow. Um, I was I was just talking to my wife. We we had changed our cable a couple of years ago, and the day the guy was going to come in and install the new system, one he had to he had to put a wire around the house because the box was on one side of the house, and where he needed to come in was on the opposite end. So he had to put this wire all around our house. Well, the day he comes is the is the night after we had 14 inches of snow, oh. and that's not normal for St. Louis. I mean, once in a while, but. I, I, I thought for sure they were going to cancel and reschedule, which was fine with us. But the guy showed up and he was real professional. He wasn't overly nice. He was just professional. And he did the job and he worked all day on the thing because he had a truck, you know, truck through all the snow. And at the end, I, I, I was just talking to my wife. I'm like, we need to give him something. She's like, give him 20 bucks. I'm like, no. And we gave him a hundred dollar bill. And I met somebody who does the, the cable installs mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years later. Heard what they have to go through to make money. They're on the road a lot. They're away from home a lot. They have to stay in hotels and stuff, and they're not making a lot of money because they have to pay for those expenses out of their pocket. Wow! So that hundred bucks might have really done a lot for that guy that I didn't even realize at the time. So, you know, I want to give big if I can give.
0: Absolutely, and actually, as you're saying this outside of my building in Brooklyn, there are protesters, peaceful protesters, uh, talking about raising the minimum wage. You know, and I kind of feel like I want to go down there and. <laughs> and join them in the rally because it's so important to recognize the hard work that uh, working class Americans put in every day. You know, It's a hard day's work and that's really great that you did that. Success, Steve. Okay, let's flip it. Hopefully this isn't – I didn't think that was a boring story, by the way, Uh, but maybe you'll find more color in talking about success with me now. What's a big so money moment that you experienced that you're really proud of?
1: Oh, well, I think it will be. I think it's coming. I think it's coming February 2016 when the house is paid off. Nice. You know, we've been working so long, so hard. Yes, the income is down right now because I went self-employed and I haven't, I haven't launched that business the way it should have been, but it's, it's coming. It's, it's a, I mean, I have a spreadsheet and I could see how, you know, I could see how we were paying it down a little extra, a little extra, a little extra, getting that paid off early. But when the spreadsheet got to the bottom and I started to see some white, You know, I have all the 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 cells color coded for different things. But then when it was white, that meant, oh my gosh, we're almost to the end, and that just really got me excited. So I think the big success story is going to be the day that we are completely debt free, no ties to anything except normal monthly bills. And so you can call me back in a year and we'll solve. Sure.
0: Well, uh, a prorated so money moment. I like that. There you go. Uh, Did you accelerate your mortgage payments? Is that how you got to pay it off, or will be paying it off? sooner than later, or is it just going by its regular term?
1: Uh, there was there were, to throw extra at it, mm-hmm. but in keeping with our goals, you know, we had different goals along the way that interrupted paying off the house early, which is fine. Uh, paying off the house wasn't ever the main goal. It was just a goal that would be on our radar when we had extra money to throw at it. But when, you know, we, when we decided where we wanted to go on vacation, you know, we got an idea of how much it was going to be. We saved up for that. When we had to remodel the kitchen, we saved up for that. When we uh, decided to, right now, today is the second day that we've got the guys replacing the windows in our house. That interrupted paying off the house early because we're going to pay cash for all these things and get discounts and uh, like these guys are going to do extra work in our house just because we're going to pay them in cash. You know, this is extra stuff because we didn't just finance the thing. So, yeah, you know, that's 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 why we didn't pay it off earlier than this. But it is going to be paid off about a year sooner than the original term. And that's just putting, you know, $40 at it here, $100 at it around Christmas time, whatever. You know, so we were able to hit our financial goals along the way and be able to throw a little bit extra at the house.
0: Excellent. How about your biggest financial habit, Steve? Is there, you know, you're, you talked earlier about how your mantra is to just be aware and have this consciousness about money. Uh, how might you have a habit that syncs with that or that really complements that? Is there something that you do daily or weekly?
1: It's not daily, but it is whenever the occasion comes up. And that's, I, I use YNAB. You need a budget?
0: Oh, yeah. Jesse Meekum.
1: Yes. And the reason why, you know, <laughs> it wasn't until I interviewed him on my show that I realized what YNAB was because I kept hearing all these people, they're fans of YNAB. I mean, it's, a, it's a spreadsheet. No, yeah. they, they changed it from a spreadsheet, it's a program. And the big thing that sold me on it was well, there were two things. One was the iPhone app, which ties the budget together at home and on my phone. So I can look at my phone. This is the most important part of your question that I'm answering is when I'm out spending money, I can look at my phone and see, do we have the money for that? So we were out uh, clothes shopping two weeks ago. I was able to see that we had a couple hundred in there. So 150 we could easily do. Uh, the second reason why I like YNAB so much is because my wife uses it now. She's not required to wait for me to bring my laptop up and open up an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> she can install it on her computer I've got it on mine, you know. I've got it on my phone. So at any moment that she wants to look at it, she doesn't need me around. She can just open it up, boom, and it's all synced, updated. It's all there. She can take a look at it herself.
0: Perfect. It's nice. It's important to have transparency in a relationship when it comes to money. And if some, if it's if all it takes is a simple app, use it. Yeah. All right. We are almost wrapped here, Steve. You've been a lot of fun. I want to thank you so much. But before we go, a couple of uh, so many fill in the blank. So I start off a sentence. You finish it. First thing that comes to your mind, don't overthink it. This is why we like doing this because we like to see what's kind of on your, uh, you know, just off the tip of your tongue. Mm -hmm. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, the first thing I would do is...
1: I'd mark the email as spam.
0: (laughs) But don't you know that there's no email. They come to your house with a big check.
1: Oh well, if that's would you turn off the lights situation. and hide behind the
0: couch? Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Well, since I don't play the lottery, I, I'd I'd think it was a scam. But if it was right. some way of winning a million, was it how much was it a million?
0: Uh, like a hundred million dollars. I had to make oh this a big gosh. number because I interview some pretty rich people sometimes on the show, and they're like, "Oh, a million dollars! I made that yesterday." So I, you know, I say a hundred million because I, I hope that that would wow everybody.
1: Yeah. Any any quantity that starts with the letter M, it's so big. I can't even imagine what a hundred million would be like. Um, let me think. Okay. So if I had a hundred million dollars given to me, um, obviously there'd be some giving in there. There'd be some investing in real estate. I'd love to get into paid for real estate, but I just don't have, we don't have the ability to do that yet. Um, then of course there's going to be some spending as well. So kind of splitting it up in three different directions. But I think uh, investing in paid for real estate would be a big part of it.
0: The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is?
1: Those large purchases. Mm. To be yeah. honest, it's so it's so comforting to know that we've got the money to pay for these windows that are getting installed. It's so comfortable to know that when we go on vacation, it's paid for. It's so wonderful when you come back. There's no stress. There's no afterthought. It's just memories. So it really is. That, that's that's the answer. It's just those big purchases.
0: Yeah, very, very comforting. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on, maybe a little too much, but it's my pleasure, <laughs> what would it be?
1: Uh, did we already talk about glazed donuts and Mountain Dew? Oh, well done. Yes.
0: <laughs> Touché. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that could answer a lot of questions, actually, glazed donuts and Mountain Dew.
1: <laughs> no, that's that's not the right answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Guilty pleasures. Um, it's when we go on vacation, Mm -hmm. it's not just, you know, to the beach in Florida and I'm looking for, you know, deals on Airbnb or something like that. We, we go in style and, and we, you know, in my mind, we spend more money than we should, but the experience that we get because we found a, a favorite place out in the mountains of Wyoming, it's a ranch, horse ranch. They're not tame horses, if you know what I mean. And these, these people that run the place, they're just amazing. And the people that they get to the staff the place are amazing. We have the best time there. And so yeah, paying extra for something like that, that experience, I mean that that's that's indulgence yeah. right there for us.
0: And I've said it before on the show, and you'd probably know this as well, is that when you money doesn't necessarily directly correlate to happiness. However, when you do spend on experiences like vacations or, you know, around a golf or whatever your jam is. Uh, that does actually correlate to an increased level of happiness, more so than you know, buying a sweater or a pair of shoes or a car. Uh, so it's nice to hear when people invest in those kinds of things. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because
1: I like to give to those who are not expecting it. You know, I like to uh, like the cable for- guy. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll go back to the cable guy. I mean, that was not expected. We could have floated him at 20, but I mean, we made it 100. And that just right there, give big. That's, that's. Yeah. Yeah. I just I like enjoy that. that. I don't get to do it often enough, but when the situation arises and we've got the cash to do it. Oh. Uh, and it's or, totally
0: uh, unexpected. That's the best part too.
1: Yeah. Or my wife volunteers at a a, a long, it's called Long Meadow Rescue Ranch. It's about an hour away, but it's a, it's a uh, division of the home, uh, the home society where they, they rescue dogs, but this is where they take the large animals, the horses, the llamas, the pigs, um, all kinds of weird animals that you wouldn't normally see in a neighborhood. And every Christmas, you know, we like to give, and I I like to make that a big check because I I know that that's helping them because it's all, it's all funded by donations. So giving big.
0: I like that. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is.
1: Compound interest. (laughs) Oh, if I know what that was, I know I would have spent all my money on glazed donuts and Mountain Dew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you think so, though? I feel as a compound interest, even if you're told about it at 14, 15, it kind of just goes over your head and you're like, okay, well, what's you know, I don't know. I just want my, I want what I want, but I, w- I want it, right? You're 14. Right. I'm playing it would, devil's it would have advocate.
1: Me on the, yeah, it would have definitely gotten me on the path of saving more sooner.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that, that would have gotten me to where I would have been saving a lot more later than just what I, you know, starting late, I guess is kind of.
0: Ah, that's a good point. Right there. And last but not least, I'm Steve Stewart and I'm so money because.
1: I pay attention, not interest.
0: I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much, Steve. Tell us where we can learn more about you.
1: Well, the home base for everything I do is over at stevestewart.me mm-hmm. and that's .me because the guy who owns the .com has owned it since 1997. <sighs> I don't think he's giving Whatever.
0: it. Whatever. <laughs> I know. Someone has Farnoosh.com and she's a real estate Uh-oh. agent in Sausalito. I actually hope to meet her someday. It would be kind of funny. Oh,
1: uh, but mm-hmm. you are the Farnoosh.
0: I not uh, know. Yeah, well.
1: <laughs> in my book anyway. Thank
0: you. Uh, we will absolutely check you out. I will have all of those links as well as your Twitter handle at somoneypodcast.com. Steve, thank you once again for sharing your time and your insights with our audience and we wish you the best.
1: Awesome. Farnoosh, you're so money. I love you.
0: (laughs) I love you too. Thanks, Steve. Thanks again to Steve Stewart for being my guest today. Check out his website, stevestewart.me. He's also on Twitter at MoneyPlanSOS. All of these links available at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And there, of course, you can also check out the transcript from this interview and all previous episodes. And I want to hear from you. Make sure if you've got a question about money or career or life in general, you can submit your question at SoMoneyPodcast.com. Just click on Ask Farnoosh. I dedicate the weekends to responding to your question, so there's a very good chance that I'll be uh, I'll be answering your question, and we'll have a little um, indirect one-on-one on the podcast either on Saturday or Sunday. If you'd like to connect one-on-one over Skype with me and have a little money blitz, uh, i like to encourage people to go to iTunes, leave a review, and every Saturday I select one new reviewer to receive a weekly one-on-one with me. So if this is something that you're interested in, I'd love to connect with you. Uh, just go on to iTunes, leave a review, and hopefully you will be picked thanks so much for tuning in today thanks again to my guest steve stewart see you back here tomorrow in the meantime i hope your day is so money